This is Rachel Taylor of Rachel Builds coming to you from Manhattan Beach, California. You're listening to Mike Kenoki's Furious 15. We can't Rachel Taylor of Rachel Builds, welcome back. It's the Furious 15. Are you ready for this? I am so ready. Thank you so much for having me again. Can't believe it's been almost a year. I know. I can't believe it either. So last time I last time we talked. You were just wrapping up your HGV TV show and getting into a lot of furniture making, custom yeah. furniture making. What are you up to now? Wow. You know, when you hit the big screen and you're able to do so much more, you get to pick and choose. So it's kind of hard for me to decide exactly what I want to do. When I became a carpenter, mm-hmm. I first wanted to, you know, the creme de la creme of my career goal was to be able to build tiny homes. Now I'm doing construction project management which is really an extension from the show. It's exactly what I did on screen. Um, And I really am enjoying it. I have a couple of projects here in Los Angeles where I live. I live by the beach, which is beautiful. There's a lot of construction here. Um, I'm currently working on a landscape uh, design for a backyard in the area of Pacific Palisades. So exciting. Pools and hardscapes and landscapes and all the good things. Yeah, you know, one of the things I love about getting good at building and, and having the experiences when a new shiny object comes along that you can choose and get paid for. And you're like, not only is that going to be a fun project, but it's going to be lucrative. Yeah. Um, I think matching those two things is really important. You've got to eat. Um, you can't just enjoy what you do and then go home at night and go, how am I going to pay bills? So yeah, construction project management happens to be one of those things that not only do you not have to be a licensed contractor in order to do it, as long as you work with a licensed contractor, that is. Um, but it's it's almost the same pay without the headache and the insurance requirements of a general mm-hmm. contractor. So I get the best of both worlds. So you work with a GC doing this. So you're a designer and, they, and you work with a GC. I work with the GC for GC required things that need to be permitted. But then I also work with the trades individually um, and they are mm-hmm. licensed and contracted to do what it is that we hire them to do as an individual project scope. So you're kind of a GC in a way. In a way. Yeah. In in many ways, I'm kind of a GC. I'm also, you know, worrying about accounting and receivables, making sure that things get ordered properly and, and that they arrive in one piece and not broken. But then I also, I'm very, very knowledgeable about code these days. And California mm. has recently changed. Um, I think that the the A license is for general contracting, but there's now a home improvement general contractor code um, that allows you to sort of be general contractor licensed, but not to where you have to do commercial uh, knowledge. So everything mm. is residential that I'm doing and I love it. And I still have not given up my dream of building tiny homes. I Mm -hmm. have an eye on a a teardrop camper plan. I have a Jeep Grand Cherokee with a hitch. And Mm -hmm. I just want to build my own. So I'm really excited about that. Still doing bunk beds for kids. Um, I have leveled up my workshop. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring you in today. 
um, in the workshop. Not only is it a disaster right now because I'm in the middle of a couple of custom builds, but I also am uh, redesigning that thing so that I can accommodate a little bit less production by hand for clients, mm -hmm. a little bit more prototyping. Um, I have taught myself SketchUp this year. It was a very big goal for me. And cool. um, yeah, I'm looking into getting into some podcasting just like you. I I really enjoyed learning SketchUp during COVID, and I'm, yeah. now I'm really now I'm really rusty again because I've stepped away from it. You got it. It's like a practice or lose it thing. It, there it kind sure. of is, but then yeah. again, it's, when you get back into it, you you know it's like riding a bike again. Is your is your teardrop camper kind of your new north star for fun, or or what's your new north star these days? <laughs> it's so funny. I use that term, my new north star, all the time, and it really does stick with people. Um, my new North Star is now a galaxy. <laughs> it always changes. Um, the one great thing about working with your hands is that you, um, you know, you get to do a lot and picking which one you want to do is really difficult. Um, as most contractors, carpenters, and um, people in the trades, we get our hands on many different things. The teardrop is something that is just sort of like a nostalgic thing. And it really allows me to get around when I'm not in the workshop, I'm out mountaineering and canyoneering and climbing and rappelling and camping and all the good things outdoors, which is something that I really love to do. Um, the teardrop camper is something that can be made out of plywood and aluminum on a, you know, a two-wheel chassis, which is really mm -hmm. exciting for me to feel like I can build without a lot of uh, financial input. Um, of course, the larger tiny homes on a larger chassis, maybe a 14-footer would be where mm -hmm. I'd like to start. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've really been putting together all of the assets to be able to do it all myself. Um, I'm really interested in TIG and MIG welding next, learning that. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting thing. It's a completely different workshop I see though. I can't have all of you know all of that in the same area where I'm building wood. Right. Really makes sense. Step, yeah, yeah, make, yep. Yep, yeah, you don't want so. sawdust. That's in right. Your, yeah. In your black, in your black stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, what have you learned about your trade this year? What's your like new cool thing you've learned? Well, I would say time management. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, you have to remember if you haven't met me before, I used to be a project manager. I was a retail business startup expert. So I would go into retail stores. I would build them out. I wasn't the one holding the hammer. Others were, I was really excited about the prospect of teaching myself a new trade, became a carpenter, but that brain of a project manager has always stuck with me. And of course, mm -hmm. that's why I'm now doing construction project management, but having the right brain, left brain of how am I going to be able to maximize my time in the shop while producing and making money the best way I know how is always a game that I play, but you know, sp spreadsheet, Rachel, really organizes what it is that I need to do to maximize my time. And that's really a lot less production building, a lot more prototyping. I've now really been interested in CNC um, production, which mm. really helps me understand that I can spend most of my time prototyping and managing my business. And then, you know, a robot gets to do the work. Yeah, That's a really good use of my time. Um, it really helps me understand that, you know, I could put more money into things like a saw stop to, to make my production more efficient, but I also can take a little less profit 
and start putting a little bit more into the kind of production that will automate my business. Um, the bunk beds are something that are really, you know, near and dear to my heart. I have four kids. I love kids. I love that industry. I was in the children's business for a really long time before I became a project manager and a consultant. So I know that that's a really great profit margin. It's all sheet goods um, between my knowledge of SketchUp and my knowledge of CNC now. I can actually have all of that um, hand cut and then logistics become pack and ship, which makes me sort of like a baby Ikea. And I'm really excited about it. Nice. And I, I think it's super important that we're not just spending our time working all the time to make money. You're also learning new things that are eventually going to make you more money. You have to put in time on on learning new things. And it's good for your brain. It yeah, just, I, I it actually get it, gets, it gets boring to do the same things over and over, same motions and and. It really does. And I remember looking at my grandparents and thinking, oh, it's so difficult for her to know the difference between a cell phone that's sitting on the night, you know, on the uh, the table in the living room there and a remote or a cell phone and and just like a little flip phone that she uses. She literally used to check her email at one computer and then she had access to her email in her smartphone and she thought that those two accounts were dedicated to the device. And I thought to myself, I never want to be that person that is restrained by my lack of keeping up with technology. So I literally, in the evenings, instead of scrolling, I watch YouTube videos and I look into technology. I'm mm -hmm. always reading articles about what devices and hardware are coming up, apps that make my job easier. It really is a big, you know, I'm dedicated to it. I'm a little mm -hmm. challenged still. Um, what you guys don't know is that Mike and I took an hour to set up this podcast. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, you learn. And I am one of those people that love to fail because every single time I fail, I am learning something new. I'm searching for, uh, you know, a better way to do my business. Absolutely. Um, and a minute ago, you alluded to being on the pod before. And if you're out there listening, it's season two, episode 21. You should go back and check it out to get Rachel's full history. Um, one of the things you said in that podcast was that your your practice of being in business has made you a better person. Yes. How so? Just give us like one little shot there. Well, when you when you focus on how to get better and, you know, that let's take a step back. Some people love just doing their regular thing. They love the um, the not the monotony. They love the routine. And that's a really easy thing to, um, to find some peace in. I like to find my peace in routines as I level up. So I get really bored very easily. And I've actually never spoken about this before publicly, but I am ADHD. Um, and I think that once you've met one carpenter, you've met them all because we're all yeah. kind of like that, whether we're yeah. diagnosed or not. Um, and it's a different thing for a woman to be diagnosed um, ADHD, but my brain hyper-focuses, so I get really good at something. And because I put in the time, I get bored after I master it. So I'm always trying to mm -hmm. level up in a way that is attractive to my core business, um, but also something that keeps me really feeling like I'm at the top of my game. I like that. And uh, I echo that sentiment. And I'm, I'm undiagnosed, but I'm you know pretty sure I'm... I'm positive for ADHD. Yeah. Um, and we have really great brains. We are able to, you know, focus on something to where we master it. We have a very perfectionist eye. It makes me a great builder because I'm able to really see detail and understand the strategy of how to get there. 
They yeah. say that there's a thousand ways to build a table and I probably know 999 of them. Um, yeah. I like to challenge myself. One of my downfalls, however, is that when I'm in the middle of a build, I like to experiment. And so you really need routine. So if you did the left side a certain way, I am, I have a penchant to do the right side in a different way, just to challenge myself. And then, you know, I start to run into some problems because that really requires your equipment to work uh, alongside your brain that is constantly trying to do it a different way. And that can slow you down. So I'm a little bit more restrained in that regard. Mm -hmm. We are a little more than halfway through the show. Um, are there I have any a question for you. Okay. I actually oh, do right. have a question for you. Um, I hope you don't mind. I noticed that you really focus on women in the trades and I love it, but I really want to understand um, why it's important. I have, a, I, I know why it's important. I'm just wondering if that's a, an observation or. If no, that's really I, I, you know, here we are in International Women's History Month again, and I'm hosting only women during the month. I feel like my whole life I've always relied on my friends who are women for their perspective. I've never had a, when I started in trades, well, when I started in trades, I was pretty much alone. I was a grunt for a guy. I pretty much ran his business as a teenager. And But then my next trade was really cooking. And the women I cooked with were tough as nails. Hmm. And they were hilarious, eccentric, but so incredible to work with. Confident, strong, and and, you know, we were just teams. There was no... There was no him and her. It was just everybody busted because mm -hmm. we wanted to, we wanted to be the best. There was egos in the kitchen, you yeah. know, and yeah. and and it's a it's a team effort. So uh, for me, it's never been about men and women separately. Mm -hmm. But I but I so I think it's important also that we're trying to get more women into the trades. Absolutely. And and and, and dropping that barrier. We're at eleven percent last year. My my understanding was we're ten percent in in the U.S. for women right. in trades. Well, now we're eleven. That's we're incredible. Going, I the yeah. last time I checked, it was three. And yeah. I, I love hearing how you identify that women in teams becomes a thing that you identify with women, not what it is that they're doing, but how they do it. And I think that that's the most important part um, about what I'm doing. I get stopped everywhere and when people hear that i am a carpenter they are blown away to a degree where i even remind myself that when i'm speaking to them i have to normalize my reaction it can't be like yeah i'm a carpenter no it's like yeah like there's lots of us out there right um, i i no longer feel like i'm in a field where there's such a disparity because oftentimes when i'm in the trades talking to other trades they ask me questions because the way my brain works, it's not just the form of something, it's the function of it. So when I am talking to clients, I almost always get the job because I understand how you want to use it, who is going to use it. And so I start designing accordingly. And then the form is actually something that, that accommodates the function that the client wants. And mm -hmm. women have a really great way of understanding how something is used how something will age, how something will serve the people that it's being built for. Um, and I think that the more that there are women in the trades, the more impressions are created for younger women and the more it's normalized that 
and I've mentioned this before, the financial freedom and the self-sufficiency and the pride that comes from self-sufficiency is something that women need to feel that they are a part of in a conversation mm. that has to do with an industry that is predominantly male. With that said, however, on the flip side, I get to sit in a seat that is usually occupied by men, but I get to say something very different about men. And that is that many men have, and I've said this before, I'll say it again because it's such an important message. Men don't really compliment men, they compete with men. But as a woman in the trades, um, and I've had many trades, I've been a baker, a jewelry designer, a makeup artist, a project manager, a consultant. Um, I'm leaving so many things out. Um, I really do understand that men have this Achilles heel from society. And that is that we assume and expect men to be providers and we expect them to do it at such a level that if they don't identify, like self-identify with what they're doing, that they won't keep up. And that's unfair. Men need to feel like their identity is who they are and what they choose, not what they do and how much they make. Um, women don't even get treated that way. We, we aren't expected to support our families, although I do, with our trade. We aren't expected to identify with it. In fact, we, you know, we are asked questions as of, you know, is this all you do? Or, you know, is this, are you kind of like manly person? And we're, we're really, we're not that and we're not expected to be that. Um, it's unfortunate that men have to be treated in this, in this culture that what they do is their identity and how they do it is their worth. Women aren't treated that way in the trades. And it's uh, kind of iconic because I never worry about doing, you know, a perfection job, I'm always going to learn um, along the way, but I'm not worried about failing ever because I know that on the other side of failure becomes growth and experience. In fact, I try to talk more about my failures than my wins because that's where I get to talk about my growth and it's relatable and no one wants to, we'll stop that there. No one wants to talk to someone who doesn't talk about their failures because it's not realistic. I think everyone wants to hear something that they can relate to, which is anytime you're trying something that's new, anytime that you're working on a new project, you're always learning, you're always failing to learn and uh, learning to fail. I think go, both go hand in hand. Men need to be treated with the same audacity that women in the trades get to do because we don't have this expectation of identity and worth being attached to our hammers. Yeah. Oh, so we're go we've gone in overtime. That was Always. the finished spell. Um, so I will say that the other thing about, from my perspective is I've never had what you talked about with how, what women deal with in terms of how they're observed by men or even other women. It's yeah. just something I haven't ever felt myself. So it's hard for me to, I don't feel that way. I just see peers. I see people who are doing good work. That's right. And that's it. That's it for me. So it's 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 I'm just there. That's true, but you know, there's a lot of people who work for construction companies. They aren't business owners. Um, they aren't freelancers. So right. when they have to work as a team, there's this you know the, an air of comparison and an air sure. of of competition. Yeah, um, absolutely. Even when women work as teams, we tend to be a lot more. Um, 
uh, gracious with one another. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really an understanding of you don't have to challenge yourself by being the best. You don't have to challenge yourself by being the fastest or the, the, you know, the cheapest bid. Um, I always say that if I can get, if I have enough time to do something, I'm going to do my best work. And in my best work, there will be failures because that's how I learn. So I always, you know, whenever I take uh, time for a construction project, I give them a realistic time. And then I always say to them, but if we get more time, it's just going to turn out to be uh, an even better project for the same amount of money. So you tell me, you want, you want it fast or do you want it, you know, great. So yep. men have the ability to do that um, and to back away from being associated with their career by really leveling up how they feel that they are perceived and only caring about the way they perceive themselves, not through work, but you know, it really is as simple as here's my intention and being honest enough. And I have to work on this myself, being honest enough to know that there will be failures, setbacks um, financially, time wise and and with my own self-worth. I do struggle um, as a woman um, in areas where I know I can ask questions of my peers who are mostly men, but I do struggle with perfectionism and it's it puts a lot of fear. There's a lot of stage fright in making sure that the thing that I've never done before, that I have a skill for, but I've never really seen myself do it yet. It's a lot of fear in, in following through and, and making sure it's good. It's not fear of being, um, it's not a fear of being judged by men or peers. It's just almost this feeling of, I still feel like I am, how do I put it? I want to put it the best way possible. I know you can edit this. This doesn't, these aren't getting edited. Oh, these aren't getting edited. Well, no. let me just put it right out there. I feel like I am an imposter sometimes because being a carpenter was such a dream. My dad was a carpenter. My uncle was an architect. All of the men in my family are journeymen and, and in the trades. It's still, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome just feeling like, wow, I'm this carpenter. It's something that I've always wanted to do. Am I going to be able to do this forever? Because this is my forever career. I, I want to do this for a very long time. And I still feel like it's so new, me being in the fifth year, that I sometimes don't belong. Um, that's, just, that's just something that you love. I think that's evidence that you love something so much. You want to stay in it. You want to perfect it. And, you know, Things take time. I'm learning to be more patient and gracious with myself. I think that uh, imposter syndrome is pervasive in the okay. trades is what I'm learning from uh, everybody on the, that comes on the show. The more mm -hmm. I talk to people, the more I see it. I can feel it sometimes. They don't have to say anything. You can tell. Yeah. yeah. I've had plenty of it when I yeah. when my business was taking off and I was like me. People are, who's calling me? And wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could talk about that for hours. We could. Are there are there any past beliefs you strongly held beliefs that you just like cast away recently? Say again, strong beliefs. Any strong beliefs that you've like long held strong beliefs that you've just don't even care about anymore. Oh my gosh. I've just gone through something. It was with family, friends, relationship. It applied to everything. I I just overwhelmed myself with taking on everybody else's. Concerns. I have four kids mm. that are college age. 
They're age 21 to 27, if you can believe it. And I am, you know, forever a mom and forever a caretaker. Um, I also trust myself to get things done, done well and done on time in a way that I don't trust anyone else. So it's very difficult for me to outsource and give away parts of a project. Um, and it wrecked me. It overwhelmed me. For a while, I was off of Instagram for a really long time to the point where people were checking in on me only because I didn't want to show this evolution. And really the evolution, you know, before I evolved, I took a really big dip in confidence and, and dealing with anxiety and overwhelm to the point where I was kind of scratching the bottom of the barrel, not psychologically, but just I couldn't keep up with the physical uh, nature of the, my, my builds. I was in the best shape of my life. Um, had to sleep 10 hours a day in order for my body to recover, to go back and do it again mm. the next day. And I just shut down. Um, part of that was getting sick with COVID and flu for three months straight. I was sick five times in three months. And just recently, I finally decided that I am no longer going to take care of anybody but myself. It's really just that simple, mm. you know, you have to fill your cup in order for it to runneth over into others. And it is totally true. There is no award or trophy being given to me for being all knowing and all doing for everyone. Um, and it took a really long time for me to accept the fact that there's no value. There's nothing, there's no pride. There's no ego boost in doing for others and just absolutely feeling empty at the end of it. It was really tough. You and now I unapologetically do for myself first. And I have been a better partner a better mother, uh, my boundaries. I learned how to say no and no with a smile. Uh, I understand that I've also leveled everyone up around me, which means that when I say no, then I'm also expecting you to level up the thing that you just asked me for help on. Um, and that's a beautiful thing because you're teaching everyone around you that they are just as capable as you. And if they focus, that they're the, going to be the best teammate that you will need in the future to continue to level up. It's not just about you, it's about leveling up your team and empowering them. Um, I've, I, I missed that page in the handbook a long time ago and now I'm just catching up, but I'm feeling better than ever. Yeah, you can't you can't show up for other people 100% if you don't take care of yourself first. You, you can't even can't. show up for people at 12%. I have an HGTV question. Yes. What do you say to the people who, when they watch an HGVT TV show and the budget for the project that was just described comes up and they're like, $44,000. <laughs> Let's not even going to pay for the materials. Who's going to build this? Right. Well, here's the thing. Most people who watch HGTV, H, oh my goodness. Most people who watch HGTV are not the people who have a trade or a skill where they can do it themselves. So a budget really is about sweat equity. Um, if you can do it yourself, the budget's going to come down. Um, it's also about knowledge base. Have you done it before? It'll take you half as long than it, than it will a person who's never done it before. So time and money are, are things that are very big variables. And when we film these shows, I'll be honest, a little tidbit is we ask, we ask our homeowners to um, sort of recite on camera three different prices for what it's going to, you know, what they would like to, to spend on a budget for an area. So we'll ask them to say $22,000, $33,000, $44,000. And 
at the end, whatever we've done to actually fit that budget the most realistically, we've got that soundbite. Mm. On the shows, the homeowners do pay part of their project, pay for part of their project. They've got the budget ready to go because they've already gotten the money set aside either through a loan or wherever their money comes from. But then the network also adds on to that budget because in story, which is basically the reality part of the story, we've got the plans, we've got what was permitted to build, but then the story gets augmented by doing a little bit more than what we had originally planned for. So that's where things in all fairness tend to change. Yes, we are, we kind of undervalue the budget sometimes, um, but that's not intentional. It's because the end result ended up being something where we wanted to spend a little bit more money in an area that the client had. Okay. Now, do you think that everybody listening should post this podcast in their social media so other people can hear it? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you this. When I get feedback from whenever you air this, they are so overwhelmed by these notions that they had never thought about. And when they share it with their friends, it becomes a community. When we really share our, our this mentality that you only really see on these podcasts, you share it with your friends. What you're doing is you're telling them what you believe, trust, and understand. It really is a reflection of you if you're sharing it with someone else. So sometimes you don't really necessarily know how to connect with your community. This is how. When you share a podcast, you're sharing what you already listen to and what you kind of believe and trust. It also generates a conversation with your peers and with your friends. It helps you really take these ideas that we talk about once on a podcast and really develop them even more. Okay, are you ready? Thank you for saying that. Are you ready for your 15 yes, no, non-qualifiable word association? Are you ready for this? Let's no go. qualifications, yes or no only. Yep, truth. I, I don't know what number, you're gonna ask. Number one, truth. Yes or no? Yes. Number two, fiction. No. Mayo. 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 No. Miracle Whip. Yes. Ryobi. Yes. Have you ever been arrested? No. General Contractors. Amazing. Yes. Tiny House. Yes. Rockumentaries. Yes. Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Callbacks. Yes. Composting toilets. Yes. <laughs> Avocado toast. Yes. I'm five second, five second rule. Yes. Crunchy tacos. Number 15, crunchy tacos. I love tacos. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm telling your score. You, oh yeah, you dominated. You won. You won with 13 yeses. Did I win a taco? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Next time I'm in LA, I'm buying. I love it. Um, Rachel Taylor, thank you so much for joining me for my second Furious 15. It's so great to see you again. It's so great to see you too. I hope you continue. And I am going to connect you with all of my wonderful people in the trades that I know, because I definitely know that you are their people. So I hope that people continue to share your podcast. You have a lot of amazing things to say about men and women in the trades. It's an honor to be your guest. Thank you so much.